0: Live your best bookish life with the updated perks at Book Riot Insiders. We've sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new Epic level. And you can try out any level for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read, available to all Epic members. And there's no cap on Epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge, and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more! Get the full details on this and all the other perks, and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Kid Lit These Days, a Book Riot podcast, At Kidlit These Days, we are your kidlit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Nicole Young, alongside Matthew Winner, and we're here um, to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We are recording on February 27th.
1: 2020. Hey, Nicole.
0: Hi, Matthew. How are
1: you? <laughs> I'm great. How's your week?
0: My week is great. It was Mardi Gras this week, so um, we are oh. coming down from the Mardi Gras high here in New Orleans. So,
1: Well, it was another no snow week. That's what I, as a teacher, I count my weeks based on snow days and there is nothing. So I'm glad to be over the cold, but come on snow. Make it at least feel like winter or maybe rather my students were like, eh, Mr. Winter, you know, the, whatever it is next week is spring. And I'm like, yeah, that figures next week is spring. So, so that's how I am. Okay. <laughs> oh, I also did a fun thing though. This is a fun thing. Tell me about it. Um, this, today I started uh, we, we, we do a a semester program with third graders and with fourth graders all the specialist teachers um, where it goes for 10 weeks and they do different focuses they might be a, a the art teacher is doing a puppetry thing with students where they're making puppets and they're going to perform a, uh, an original play for kindergarten or there's a, a drum corps group or there's this or there's that. And um, I do a podcasting group and I, I had a third grade podcasting group last quarter And this quarter, I'm doing both a third grade and a fourth grade group. So I met with my fourth graders today, and they were so excited to just sit for 45 minutes and nerd out over books and say, can we interview this person and this person and this person? And I was like, look, I will try my best to see if we can get Jason Reynolds on the line or to get Kwame Alexander or to get Raina Telgemeier. I'm not sure we can get any of those folks, but if we can get even one, I'm going to do my best. But... (laughs) <laughs> I love it. So the they,
0: podcast with the third and fourth graders is their their podcasts are about books.
1: So they literally take over my my podcast, the children's book podcast, the podcast that I have been doing for seven years. They um, join me to co host. Oh. So the seminar is learning. It's basically kind of like a, a journalism type focus that we talk about how to talk about books and how to interview people, how to uh, form questions and how to respond when people are uh, are answering our questions, how to kind of yes. And it's it was really, really cool with third grade. uh, And I can't wait to go even deeper with fourth grade.
0: Super exciting. Um, I love that. (laughs) I'll
1: I'll let you know as we go.
0: (laughs) do. Okay. well, um, our focus this week is uh, this week Well, our focus on this week's episode is on body positivity, which I'm really excited to dive into. Um, But first, how about we share a sponsor?
1: Sure, Anik Press invites you to celebrate the 40th anniversary of one of the world's most beloved children's picture books, "The Paper Bag Princess" by Robert Munch and Michael Marchenko, with an empowerment-focused keepsake edition. When the Fiercest Dragon, this is, I don't know if, if, if you know this book, Nicole. This is a book I grew up with, and I grew up in the library reading to children. So I'm excited to share to those that haven't read it, that when the Fiercest Dragon in the whole world smashes Princess Elizabeth's castle and. Burns all her clothes and captures her fiance. Elizabeth takes matters into her own hands with her wits alone and nothing but a paper bag to wear. The princess challenges the dragon in the hopes of saving the prince. <laughs> but is it worth all that trouble? <laughs> this beloved feminist children's book classic has over 7 million copies sold, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, the uh, anniversary edition. Has a dust jacket that converts into a poster. It's also got introductions from Francesca Siegel and Chelsea Clinton. It's a, a timely message of female strength and independence, encouraging young women to stand up to dragons. <laughs> and I <laughs> do you love it. Stand up to dragons. <laughs> um, it makes me think of. It makes me think of Bring Me My Dragons. I <laughs> yeah, exactly. can't, can't. I can't. Anyway, Khaleesi. Can't get away without Khaleesi. <laughs> there will be a Paper Bag Princess Day on March 7th with events around the country. So look for events at your local bookstore and libraries near you.
0: Awesome. I was just talking about Khaleesi today. I called someone the breaker of chains. So yeah, I get <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I digress from taking us away from our focus. Yes. Do you want to bring us into the topic today?
0: <laughs> so when you posed this topic, Matthew, I was so excited to dive in because I think we are are, are reaching a different plane of awareness, like as a country, as a, as a world, maybe even about, um, about body positivity. And I actually know quite a few um, scholars who are um, talking about And doing um scholarly work around fat studies right which is is something that they have coined as a term and as a as a field of study so it's really exciting to talk about this in terms of kids literature because i think there are some really beautiful um, picture books as well as um, some really lovely middle grades and even ya books um, that are tackling this these questions of body positivity and body acceptance specifically like fat phobia, right? I think that there's a huge uh, growing body of work around fat phobia and fat shaming and how we talk to kids about like loving everyone's body and embracing everybody as beautiful. Um, but I think even in conversations and books that talk about hair and loving your hair um, and loving your braces and loving your skinniness and your tallness and your shortness, I think all fall into um, this canon of uh, body positivity. So I'm so excited to to think about what those books are, to share some of the books that both you and I have encountered um, and just talk a little bit more about it.
1: Yeah, when we brought this up, I immediately, my brain immediately went to uh, a colleague and fellow librarian and blogger named Angie Manfredi, who I had the great... Privilege of meeting at ALA last June. Um, she has a blog that she's been running for a while called Fat Girl Reading, and she just released an anthology called The Other F Word: A Celebration of the Fat and Fierce, which I interviewed her for at ALA. But I was really excited to find out that it's available as an audiobook and also that it's available to just listen right now as an audiobook on Spotify. Oh, awesome. So like you can straight up go, you know, finish this episode and jump right on and start listening. It's read by I think four, three or four different um actors, but uh the power of this book is taking back that word of fat. Mm. And doing i what i the way i equated it to when angie and i were talking was much like what i've witnessed going on and what what i participate in in the queer community that to some the word queer within the queer community is a word that we still don't use mm-hmm. but for others it's a word we've taken back as a means of empowerment and angie speaks the same truths about the word fat and it makes me even, like, I feel my heart beating. Angie would be proud to hear me say this once again, I think. That um, I'm, I I recognize as a child, and I think even into adulthood, how it was really drilled into me that fat is not a word we use. Mm-hmm. And in this book, it's a celebration. It centers and uses that word and includes... Uh, I can't remember the number. Over 15 Uh, fat men, women, non-binary individuals, um, indigenous, people of color, all of these varied voices, young, old, sharing stories and um, narratives of their life uh, and works of fiction around fatness and fierceness. And it's so, if I use another F word, freaking awesome. This book. I'm so proud that um, Angie has made this book exist in the world, but also in bringing in her to this conversation of like, (laughs) Angie, help me out. What other books do we have that center fatness and center different body types? Um, She straight up pointed me to some Twitter threads that I'll share later as we book talk, where she goes through um, all the picture books in middle grade that she can think of uh, that that she feels do representation of, of of fatness well. And the spoiler alert is that it's like a handful of picture books and some middle grade as well. And we're getting better. Of course, we're getting better. But we have a very, very long way to go. So I think that this is a space where um, we can really center voices that are speaking often from their own experience, uh, and trying to get representation in the stories that, that we need in this world and coming from an authentic voice. I admire Angie so much for, um, the way that she's able to review books, um, from that lens and say, this is a book that I feel like does not attach shame to body types or does not attach stereotype. So, um... Yeah, I, I, all the praise to Angie. <laughs> this is the segment of the podcast where we give praise <laughs> to our friends online.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Um, I, but, you know, what you were saying, Matthew, about the word fat, I think is just so resonant because I part of the thing that I love about the women, especially women who are doing the work about fat studies, is the reclamation of that word. Um, and it's something I struggle with, right? Um, because I, I, like you, was raised in a house where you weren't supposed to say that. Um, but, like, changing the idea and the connotation of fatness as bad, um, I think, is really important. And I wanted to highlight um, Dumplin' by Julie Murphy. Um, it was It's a book that is a YA book, so I didn't want to bring it down to the book talk later. But I love it because the main character is, like, so okay with being fat you know like there's ups and downs of course throughout the whole book but um there's these like there's a quote and it's also been made into a netflix movie but the actual in the actual book um there's just a quote where she says something like um fat's not a curse word to me i don't know why it's such a big big deal to everyone else so i just tell them at the beginning and get it out of the way um something like that and i just think that that's brilliant and um i think as we are looking at these these books and thinking about how we talk to kids um, about loving everybody um, is trying to take some of the sting out of words and also listening to people about what, how they want to be dis- you know, described or how they refer to themselves. Um, but like also just removing shame about what our bodies are and what they look like. And you know, who we are through our bodies.
1: Yeah. Nicole, I have two children. I have a nine year old as of recording this, a nine year old and a four year old and my nine year old, my son For the past several weeks, I made a note to talk about this today because it's not something I've talked about publicly, but it's something that I think probably a lot of kids go through and maybe a lot of households are going through this. So if you're going through this, too, please shout out to us on Twitter. Please hit us up over email um, because it's really important. Uh, we as parents, we as adults that work with children, uh, we human beings in the world around children, yes. um, we community members yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to hear that this happens. My son seemingly out of the blue has been really concerned with his body. And I feel like you're nine. Mm-hmm. This is not an age where you should be concerned about the way you look and the way it manifests for him or the language he is using is it's very coded. He's saying, I really need to exercise. Oh, I really need to exercise. Mm. We're saying, why, my buddy? What, what are you talking about? And praise my wife because she has used such loving, accepting language and saying, honey, there's no right way for your body to be. It's the way that, you are comfortable with your body, the way that you love your body, that's the right way to be. And to hear her talking to him is also educating me on how to talk about things, too. Um, so that that idea of loving your body is something that is going to bring us to our guest today. Our guest is Jessica Sanders, author of Love Your Body, a new picture book from Corto. Jessica is an author of advocate, and social worker. She's volunteered for several women's rights organizations, supported women and children fleeing family violence, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, an alliance with African women, fighting for their rights to land, and lectured at schools teaching the importance of respect for self and others. Currently, Jessica works at the Butterfly Foundation, where she educates young people on the importance of positive body image. Jessica is from Melbourne, Australia, and I really want everyone to listen close in this interview for the way she uses the term normalizing normal. Mm. I love that. Can we just talk
0: about how I want to have a bio where it says I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro? I (laughs) I don't actually want to climb the mountain. I just wanted my bio to say that. Um, That's really exciting. I'm excited to hear from her.
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Jessica Sanders, but I go by Jess. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Um, and I am a social worker by trade, but I do lots of things. Um, I talk in schools. I'm running a social justice campaign right now. Um, and I write books as well. I'm an author of um, a book called Love Your Body. Um, another one called Me Time, which isn't out it's only in Australia at the moment, but that's a self-care book for um, those sort of outgrown love your body that are a little bit older. Um, and I'm working on another one at the moment. So I like to keep it diverse. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a little bit of what I do.
1: That is wonderful. Well, as we've set off recording... I absolutely love your book, Love Your Body, and I know that there's a story behind it. Can you talk a little bit about the origins of Love Your Body and why you felt like it was a story that readers, and specifically girls, needed to hear?
2: Oh, absolutely, yes. So Love Your Body, yeah, it's my first book, Baby. Um, I It's basically the book that I wish I had had growing up. Um, and the way it came about, I'd actually never thought about writing a book. Um, it never crossed my mind, even though my parents actually, um, have both worked in publishing and they run a small self-publishing company now. Um, I just thought, oh, that's not my thing. I'd never write a book kind of thing. And, um, I was sitting around the table with my best friend and housemate, Hannah, and we were discussing an article that we'd read, um, and it was about, uh, sort of the rates of plastic surgery and invasive surgeries that were cosmetic um, and voluntary in in girls under 18. And I think something I'd just been building for a long time, my frustration with this pressure on girls to be perfect all the time. And I just snapped a little bit. I was like, where will this end? It just feels like it's getting worse. The pressure seems to be getting more intense, particularly with Instagram, like social media. It's just, it's never been more in their face. And I just worried so much about them. And I thought, why do they have to go through this sort of inevitable dissatisfaction and preoccupation with how they look? It's unfair, and I can I can see that it's disadvantaging them too, just from observing the women in my life and the way that um, you know negative body image had dictated the course of their life, but also in some cases actually taken their life through an eating disorder. So I thought, um, yeah, I just had to do something about it. And so my housemate Hannah was just like, "Why don't you write a book?" And I was like, "Yeah." Why don't I? <laughs> kind of just how <laughs> it started. I was like, yeah, okay. And um thought, how do you do that? So I just did a bit of research. Um I I first looked into a way to articulate how negative body image was exactly holding girls back from achieving their full potential because it was something that I'd identified um pretty early on, but it was hard. It was just sort of a blurry thing to be at a point a finger at, like something concrete. So I found some amazing research by the Dove Foundation and um, it was a global report and it basically said that when a girl in life like how she looked, um, you know, eight in 10 would stop themselves from eating. Another eight in 10 um, wouldn't go to important like life events or engage with friends and family and another seven in ten wouldn't be assertive in their opinion or stick to a decision and on top of that they'd actually perform worse in maths and comprehension so I was like okay this is a concrete way that this is actually systematically holding girls back um, in all areas of their life so I went to do a bit of research like what kind of books are out there like who's you know and I went looking for a book with diverse bodies and illustrations and um, you know messages of self-love and, and things like that and I just couldn't find anything it was really scarce out there um, the books I did find had thin white girls on the front cover they were pink um, they were at an odd age group as well some one of them was the main one was targeted at girls 13 and my research had said that it was girls 8 plus that were really developing these issues so I was like that's too late um, yeah so I kind of realized that there was a huge gap um, in resources and so I just did a lot of research and a lot of thinking in order to create it. And of so when I sat down to write it, I was a bit stuck. And I asked my mum, who's written many books for advice, and she said um, – you know, what would you say to a young girl if she was sitting in front of you? Like, what what do you want her to know? Um, and that just came a lot more naturally to me because I feel as an older sister and just kind of the place I find myself in my friendship circles and whatever, I'm always the giver of and advice and, and comforter. So that voice was really natural to me. So the book's voice is, it's in my voice. Yeah.
1: I love um, that. And it's very <laughs> successful in your voice. And also, um, though written for girls, inclusive of everyone, your author's note even starts... This book has been written for girls and those who identify as a girl. However, the language I've used is not gendered and the overarching message is universal. And you do that quite well. I love that you mix story and sort of encouraging language with, with these sort of thought exercises. I found the the layout really, really effective. And also Carol Rossetti made some gorgeous illustrations.
2: Oh yeah. I should mention Carol. Like she's just so integral to this book. Um, and Early on in the stages when I was researching, I, I knew that um, the illustrations were going to be, you know, everything because a girl can't be what she cannot see and representation is so important. And I just knew that like, I needed those more I needed those role models when I was growing up. I needed to see my body represented. Um, I should say, this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but I'm like six foot tall um, and I've been really tall. Um, you know, in primary school, always the tallest in the class. And um, I felt very different. And I felt like I took up too much space, which is a common feeling experienced by girls in particular. Um, Yeah. So when I was looking for an illustrator, I actually found her online, just googled feminist illustrators, (laughs) found her Instagram. I was like, this girl's amazing. Um, And I sent her an email and she was just on board from the very beginning. She totally got it, which was so cool. Um, And then Yeah, she just waited in the wings while I wrote out the text and then a brief, and then we we just started um, fleshing out the characters. We spent a lot of time making sure the characters were were super diverse and inclusive and um, as authentic as possible as well.
1: Yeah, diverse not just in in race and in skin tone, but also um, in their body shape, and also um, there are are some um, missing limbs or um, having – stretch marks or hair on their body and just there's it really it really is a book as you said um for people to be seen so i know that your book was successfully funded through kickstarter in 2018 which is super rad you well surpassed your goal so what made you (laughs) choose that that platform might be the right platform when thinking about how this book could reach readers
2: yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I thought about it for a while and as I mentioned my parents work in publishing, so I, I went to them and I was like, What do you think? you know, should I go down the publishing route? Should I just try to self-publish and, you know, um collect you know, get the collective power of people to make this happen? And they said, Look, it might be a long process and you might not even get there because at this point you couldn't see the book and it was clear in my mind exactly what I wanted um to see and what I wanted it to look like. And I knew it would work, but I actually found it was a difficult pitch to people because when I said, oh, the girls are going to have cellulite and stretch marks and some of them will have hairy legs and armpits, everyone was like, what is that? And It's like the first children's book to have a cellulite and stretch marks in it. And so I thought, oh, I'm not sure how mainstream this is. I'm not sure if a publisher will actually pick it up. And I'm keen to get this going now. Um, And I'd seen the success that Rebel Girls had had on Kickstarter. And I thought, oh, that's, you know, that's really amazing. Uh, I think I could do that. I love design. Um, I I studied photography as well in my undergrad. So I was like, I think I can put something together. Um, and I think there are strong communities online in pockets of this body positive community that will really get behind this. And I had a lot of faith that, um, yeah, that, that the want was out there. But I thought maybe going directly to those people through the power of the Internet was the way to go rather than convince a publisher that it needed um, to exist. In in hindsight, when I did find my now publisher Five Mile, I realized that like they were, they were all about it. Um, and they, you know, they really resonated with the messages. But at the time, I thought, you know, the Kickstarter was the way to go, and it was a really interesting process. I learned a lot, um, and it did eventually get a life of its own. I didn't put a single dollar into marketing. I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> to be honest. But I did just put it out there. That's amazing. Your video <laughs> that you made for this book
1: just is awesome. I love the video. We'll oh, make sure we link it in the show notes. You. The fact that you I hear that you are you have a family of publishers, but the book itself is so thoughtful and the illustrations are so on point. This is really a book thought of by people that understand books and that's not hardly ever the story we get in self-publishing. So mm. I think then when it came to in the US, Corto publishing it or whomever was publishing it um, in different countries, yeah, it makes total sense because you... You know the language of books, Jess, and you brought that to them. So I'm glad. I think that the road that you got to walk was really cool. And and you got to have all these people directly backing you. Imagine what that means to directly back you. And now you get this great world distribution and (laughs) translations into multiple languages, which is really neat.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was really it was such an honor to have people believe in your book like it didn't exist yet they couldn't touch it they could see my ideas and they saw a few illustrations but to actually put their money behind it was a huge honor and like a boost of confidence to be like yeah you can do this and people need it to exist and want it to exist and um yeah it was a lot of validation and it it built a really cool community we had over like 900 people contribute and that was so cool um, we had an awesome launch party when it finally came out in Australia with the Australian backers um, were all invited to come and so the feeling on that that night, just a sense of community, um, and just like a feeling of hope as well. Like I think, for a long time, these issues of negative body image. A lot of people I talk to them about it, and they're like, "Oh, that's just what it is to be, you know, young, to be a girl, to be a child, is to, or, or to be a human, is to not like your body." And I'm just like, "No, it, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way." Um, And so we need to sort of take the power back and start doing something about it. And I think that's also what this book represents. And a lot of adults have really resonated with it as well because of what it represents. Um, Yeah, so it's been such a special journey. I'm just, yeah, so excited that I pushed through and did it. And I should say that, like, I think a lot of people, maybe if they you know a lot of people might have had an idea for a book or something that they wanted to make but those those lovely lovely those like uh very frustrating little thoughts come in who they're just like oh who are you to do this or you know basically like imposter syndrome mm. oh and oh what or, or you know no one will like it no one will this or you know and 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 often i think people will be talked out of making and doing things because of this like critical voice in their head and i i made a real effort to just not entertain any of those thoughts through this whole process but if you spoke to some of my friends like there were points where I was like oh I you know is it worth it should I do it who am I to do this kind of thing and I'm really glad I pushed through and it just made me reflect that like we all have that capacity to make the change and create something that um you know can have an impact but if we give in to those negative thoughts it'll never happen so
1: It's just my little reflection. No, I, I hear you. And it's funny that you bring up those negative thoughts and how most people just feel like, oh, yeah, it's just normal for me to feel like my body is this way and I'm upset at it and I don't want it to look like that. But you use this great phrase of normalizing normal, which in turn brings a different focus onto that word. And I like that. Can you talk a little bit about what normalizing normal means to you?
2: Sure um I thought yeah such a great phrase um I think it just gets to the heart of the issue which is that like when you look around us if we walk down the street in our families there's so much difference and diversity um the only thing that is normal is difference um the only thing that you know ties us together is that diversity is that we're all different and um but when you look on all these forms of media that we can assume books included um We're just seeing kind of one type of body and person Um, and and we look to those things as sort of guiding forces for how we should be and, you know, also we look to them to feel included and to feel a part of something and to feel valuable. Um, And when we don't show everyone and when we don't hold up, yeah, all these things that are so normal, if we don't actually represent reality It means that we're always striving to be something other than ourselves and that leads to all kinds of mental health issues and dissatisfaction that's just not necessary because it's an illusion like we can't all look the same, we can't all be the beauty ideal. Beauty ideals, no one can really be it anyway, it's unrealistic, but things like stretch marks and cellulite, which most people will have. Um, if we don't see them in a book, of course we're going to think that there's that we should have shame around those things. But like they're just they could want to be more normal. There's nothing wrong with us. That's um everyone has them. But you know it's it's just about putting it out there so that a young person can see and be like, yeah, I that is normal. I do have that, and there is no shame in having that. Um, so that's kind of what normalizing normal is, just showing normal in places that we yes. don't tend
1: to <laughs> yeah. I love the notion that like that's a lie what you're used to seeing where everyone looks the same and has the same body type that's not normal but our no. brain reads it as oh this is like the ideal or this is the way i'm supposed to look no somebody <laughs> put that cast together somebody drew those characters it's not normal i love that so yeah. i am I, 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 doing a lot of this reflection. As an adult, as a teacher, as a father, um, as a husband, as all these different identities that that I wear and i'm I'm wondering how you have thought about it as well jess the 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 thought of what ways you think adults can be modeling for kids, how to talk about body shapes and sizes in a more inclusive way for
2: sure, I think the two key things there would be one to just yeah normalize that diversity like kids will often say things that are a bit like oh like how do I respond to this they're like oh that person's so big or that person's so small or why does that person you know and it's just being like oh well you know that's that person is big and that's like that's what they are and that's who they are and some people are small some people are big some people in the middle it's all okay it's all normal um there's no Again, I think they're already speaking to that fact of like, oh, there isn't there one way, isn't it in the middle, isn't that normal? And that's actually, yeah, a false idea. So just, yeah, normalizing the fact that there's that difference in diversity, like I said. Uh, and two, in, in the language that we speak about bodies. So more often than not, when we refer to our body, it's in, a, in an objectifying sense. So it's like, oh, like my god, my my legs are so huge, or um, oh, I hate my like flabby arms or something, and. And we're, we're talking about the body in terms of like an object, not in terms of its function. And we have a body to live our life. We have a body because it's our little home that gets us through our, our whole lives and it allows us, us to experience all the wonderful things, you know, the world has to offer. We've got sight and smell and taste and touch and all this stuff, all the senses. And um, that's how we should be speaking about our bodies in terms of like what they allow us to do and and um, also that gratefulness for it. So that's a big part of the book is being like, you know, I love my arms because they help me to pick up my little brother and give him a hug or, um, you know, I love that my nose can smell, you know, the saltiness of the sea or um, or the flowers in the garden, you know, these kind of things. So if a child is sort of, I don't know, playing and running around in a pretty dress instead of saying, oh, you look so pretty in that dress, you could say, wow, look how, you know, fast your legs are moving and how awesome it looks when you swirl like that. Um, you're just... So clever or isn't your body amazing that you can you know run around in circles and not fall over <laughs> just something like that it's just just describing what they're doing and how awesome that is, and what the different body parts are doing, like when you're eating, and a kid says, "This is a common thing that kids will say is, "Oh, my tummy is so fat, my tummy is so big." Um, why is my tummy bloated up? And you can actually talk about the digestive system and what happens, where do you think that food goes when you put it in our body? It's going to go into our tummy and our tummy's going to get bigger because it's full of food. And not to say, oh, you're not fat. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. It's like, no, no, this is our body is performing a function. Normal tummy's bloat. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, or, yeah, just stuff like that where it's like if you just explain the function, you show that there's no shame and that your body is – is here for a purpose, not to be consumed by others as a, as a visual object. That's
1: well, the thing, Jess, I love your book. I love, love your body. I'm so grateful that we have it uh, for all of our readers all around the world to read. You've done a beautiful job on the book. Carol has done a gorgeous job on the book. Uh, and I'm so, so grateful, not only that the book exists, but also that you uh, were able to set time aside to talk to us here on KidLit these days. Thank you so much for talking to us.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I'm just so glad that you love Love Your Body.
0: <laughs> Houghton Mifflin Harcourt Books for Young Readers invites you to check out Winter Born Home, the middle grade debut of New York Times bestselling author Allie Carter. Allie Carter is the author of the beloved Gallagher Girls series. April didn't just ask to go live in a big, creepy mansion with a bunch of orphans, who just don't understand that April isn't like them. After all, April's mother is coming back for her someday. All April has to do is find the clues her mother left inside the massive mansion. But Winterborne home is hiding more than one secret. So April and her friends are going to have to work together to unravel the riddle of a missing heir, a creepy legend, and a mysterious key before the only home they've ever known is lost to them forever. Perfect for fans of Lemony Snicket and a series of unfortunate events and the Spy School series.
1: Woohoo! All right. A little creepy, little little bit of intrigue. I like it. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> my students know that I have a very hard time with creepy because book covers freak me out. But I love it. It's like that. I like being just scared enough. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, they tease me a lot about. Um, Tracy Batiste's Jumbies series, <laughs> which I love. And it also read it. scares me. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, you know, I can't talk about it anymore because it's going to scare me too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it's time for our book talk segment where we take today's themes and recommend books for children that center on those themes. Remember that uh, you can find all of the books we talk about today in the show notes at bookriot.com slash listen and find this episode, episode 24 of Kidlet These Days. I am sure there will be books that you also want to add or to add to the conversation. Uh, so use hashtag Kidlet These Days, or if there's uh, more topics you want to recommend or more books, you go ahead and email us at Days at bookriot.com. But let me please have the honor of kicking off this book talk with a picture book that is so awesome. It's called Rock What You Got. Rock What You Got. It's by Samantha Berger. It's illustrated by Keris Coat. And in this rhyming picture book, we have, uh, you literally see the hands of the artist creating a character. And the character speaks out to the artist, where the artist wants to change uh, the character's hair, change the way she looks. Um, This child speaks out to the artist and to all of us reading, reminding all of us to just embrace that special something that we have, to love yourself and, you know, to rock what you got. It's a super happy, smiley kind of book. I really like it.
0: I read it today because you had put it, you'd recommended it oh. in the books. And, um, and I just loved it. I just loved the concept of it and like she grabs the pencil and she's like, I just, I love everything yeah. about it. It's a really great book. It's
1: so good. I like it.
0: Um, so I went to my neighborhood bookstore that I talked about last week. I love them. And I, I asked what they suggested for body positive middle grades books. And one that came out, um, the the bookshop owner was like so emphatic that I take this home and that it was fantastic. It was Go With the Flow. It's a graphic novel by Lily Williams and Karen Schneeman. Um, and so it's a book about girls in middle school and menstruation having their period and they're like fighting against the school machine that doesn't have tampons in the bathroom. And, um, she, the, the store owner described it as a book that she wished she had had in middle school, something that told her that her body was okay. What her body was doing is natural. Everything is fine. Um, and as a woman, um, who has had a uterus my whole life, i just feel like, um, this is a really exciting read, and I'm excited to get in, jump into it. And I'm excited that there is something like this for um, for people with uteruses. So,
1: it, and for those of us that that don't and don't know True. this experience and yes, um, want to understand better, this book is is uh, all. It's a graphic novel. It's all uh, illustrated in red tones, mm-hmm. and um, it has four girls different who girls. are or for presenting girls who um who interact in in different ways and and stand up for one of the, one, one another in different ways one has really awful terrible cramps that cause her to miss school but um that's not the excuse she tells her teacher one of the girls is brand new and is um like petite, she's very small, um, compared to the other kids around her. So I think it's really, we're really meant to see how young she is. And she, um, gets her first period, uh, early on in the, in her start of school and, and these other three girls really become a community for her. But one of my favorite storylines is that, um, one of the girls in this group, uh, has a blog called the, oh shoot, I'm not gonna remember it. (laughs) i
0: just got it matthew so i can't tell you it's okay
1: it's it's got the the uh it doesn't matter Uh, the i'm I'm not even gonna guess at it the name of the blog is awesome it's a it's a (laughs) they they kind of go through all the different nicknames for having your period and whatever it whatever this blog is called it's also their their twitter handle for the book and it's rad because this book started off as a web comic and was then adapted into a full book so, yeah. I'm a bit oh, of a it's fan. It's called
0: the mean magenta. The mean magenta, the mean, there it is. The I was like it's a mean color. Magenta.
1: The I'm mean magenta. I'm just opening magenta. it. Yeah. So good. This book is so good. Anyway, yay. Okay, let me take us to Let me see. We got We got just self-love. We went to periods. Let me take us to Who we are the skin we're in. Mm. The picture book I want to share, which actually um, made it all the way through... we I've talked about our Moxie SK, and this book was one of our honor books. It's called... Oh, M-
0: did it make it? It made it all That's the awesome. way, all
1: the way to the top. It's called Not Quite Snow White. It's written by Ashley Franklin, illustrated by Ebony Glenn. This is about a girl who... has always wanted to be in plays and she's always been the star of the plays that she's been in. And her school is putting on Snow White, an African American girl. She tries out for the... It's a two-day audition. On the first day... Um, She's helping to shoo nervous butterflies from the tummies of the other kids, (laughs) helping them practice their lines. You can see this girl is so accommodating and so wanting all all of her friends to succeed. But at the end of that first day, while she's waiting to board the bus, she hears kids whispering. And some of the kids, a number of kids, um, one of the kids says something like, oh, she can never be Snow White. Um, she's far too tall. And one says, she's far too chubby. She's too chubby. And the other is, "You're much, she's much too brown. And so this girl goes home on the bus thinking about these things that these kids have said, and it completely deflates her. Um, and her parents, spoiler alert, have a talk with her and say, you're just tall enough. And you're just brown enough. And you're just chubby enough to be the perfect princess. And what I also love about it is that there's a line in there that says those other princesses aren't real. I love that. And it brought me in conversation with my students about how those princesses that we know from movies, that ideal Mm -hmm. quote unquote that we think of for princesses is made up. It's made up by people that are trying to tell you this is what they think princesses are. And that's fake it's 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 not real that's who who determines what princesses are Mm -hmm. so what a beautiful beautiful picture book about about any one person being comfortable in the skin that they're in so yeah oh it's it's so pretty so good I love and it, it. lands um, it lands so well for kindergarten just as well as it lands for fourth grade and just as well as it has landed for other adults who have heard us read it in the library. So this is a book that transcends reader age. It's amazing
0: I love it. I think and I think that's an interesting point Matthew too because we were saying we're, you know there's only a few books that we found in the picture book and middle grade space that talk about this. But I also feel like there are not enough adult books, right, that talk about body positivity. And so I think maybe that reaction from adults is about a little of of like a hunger for things that are talking to us about how we love ourselves in whatever form we come in, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, there's a need for more. Um, I want to add Karma Kular's Mustache, which is by um, Christy Winkie, And this is a few years ago this book came out, but it's a middle grades book and it's about karma. Um, who is um, getting a mustache? <laughs> she's got seventeen hairs that are on the top of her upper mark. lip that are forming a mustache. Yeah. Um, and so it's like it's, she's encountering this this thing about facial hair. But then there's also her father is Sikh, and so he wears a turban. And then you know her grandmother passes away. Like there's like all of these things that are happening to her as she's trying to grapple with this like difference, this like body difference, right? Um, And I just think it's a really great coming of age book. It's a really great middle um, grade book. And I just think it it touches on a thing that is not often actually talked about, which is like women with facial hair, women with hair in lots of places, right? And how you as a woman have to like figure out how to accept that as you're going through puberty and as you're going through high school and all of these things. Um, And so I just I think it's a really great uh, addition to the kind of body acceptance canon. Um, I really like it.
1: I think that's great. I have a a great in-between age book. One of those uh, books that we're past easy readers and starting into chapter books, but not quite at full middle grade. The, The books that land right in that, like, I don't know, that eight or nine year old sweet spot. Uh, And that's uh, one of a series by Nikki Grimes. Um, She has a Diamond Daniel book series. uh, And this one is, um, I can't remember if it's book three or four. It's called Halfway to Perfect. Um, There's illustrations in it by R. Gregory Christie. But while Diamond is this character, for those that know this series, is this character who is uh, very confident in who she is and how she is in the world, Um, Damaris um, is just her sister is just like pushing food around on the plate and is at this place where she's where, where Diamond is 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 suspecting that that maybe a kid said something that is, is getting into Damaris's head. Uh, it's interesting when you bring up these ideas about how much other people can influence directly or indirectly what we think of ourselves. So much comes down to self-confidence and self-love and self-assurance, but that is really, really hard. That's not an easy skill to have. Um, and, and this book, it makes space for for that. So uh, I like it. Okay. And this is a series that's um, that, that's written by a Credit Scott King Award winner. Um, Nikki Grimes writes for all ages, and she she really lands it with this series.
0: I really love her work. And I haven't read um, this series, but I do like her, her book so much, Nikki Grimes. Um, I want to add 45 pounds more or less by Kelly Barson. Um, and so this book follows um, a young girl who's a size, uh, she's 16 years old and she's a size 17 and her mom's a perfect six, right? And she's got this wedding that's coming up. Her, her aunt is getting married and um, Anne's going to be, Anne is the main character is going to be a bridesmaid. And so she's going to lose 45 pounds. And so the whole book is about her wrestling with her weight and diets But it's also really, I think it makes me think back to um, what you were saying earlier, Matthew, about how princesses are made up, right? These images of princesses are made up. There's this theme going throughout the book of the thin people, the skinny people are also flawed, deeply flawed, and also... Um, are struggling with their own acceptance and self-love in different ways um, than our main character who is a fat girl who is wrestling with her weight, right, and her own body acceptance in that way. And so I think those two threads going through this book, um, 44 Pounds More or Less, is is just a really important reflection um, for you know a world that tells us, all of us really, that our bodies are not right, right? Like we're all being marketed to all the time. You know, you're not tall enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not short enough, you're too short, you're too tall, et cetera. And so everyone's got something. Um, and I really appreciated this book for just reflecting that back. Um, and in the end, there's, you know, there's just a moment of catharsis and acceptance for Anne. Um, but the struggle through the book is both her engagement with her family, her mom. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to put that on the list.
1: That's nice. Well, let me um, end us on these book recommendations by giving Angie a chance really to speak directly to all of us I, I mm. grabbed some um, of the things she wrote in her this Twitter thread that I will absolutely link in the show notes so that you can hear from Angie and I'll, we'll make sure we link her blog as well but um, I'm going to highlight a couple picture books in middle grade but I want to make sure I do it in her words so the middle yeah. grade that um, Angie has has reviewed and asked us to consider um, include Like Vanessa by Tammy Charles, The Dactyl Hill Squad by Daniel Jose Alder The Laura Line by Crystal Allen, Piecing Me Together and Some Places More Than Others by Renee Watson, Dear Sweet Pea by Julie Murphy, who also wrote Dumplin', right? And Good Enough by Jen Petro Roy. But the Twitter thread, I want to give you a sense, Nicole, and also listeners, a sense of Angie's voice, which I love. Here's how her Twitter thread reads. These are excerpts from the picture book thread. (laughs) She goes, fat, all caps, so I'm reading it loud. Fat Positive Picture Books, an extraordinarily short thread since some people have been asking. (laughs) She writes Abigail the Whale by David Kali. I love this book. Um, The one she writes, the only one I genuinely love and the only picture book I've read that I feel accurately reflects fat acceptance, not just body positive, quote unquote, body positivity, etc., it's fantastic. I think mean, you and I have both read it and loved it. But Yes. Yeah.
0: And I read it in response to this thread. I saw the thread and then I read it today. And it's just <laughs> beautiful. I, I just also it just, is. the words that are chosen throughout and like the imagery that it conjures up. Like there's this part where she gets to the pool and she's like, she's like an eel. She's a, it, all these things. It's beautiful. So it's good. Really so good. good,
1: good. I'll continue. Here's a nonfiction uh, Voice of Freedom, Fannie Lou Hammer by Carol Boston Weatherford, illustrated by Aqua Holmes. Uh, she writes, because Fanny's body is present and powerful and kids mm-hmm. need to see that in real life, fat mm-hmm. people are capable of amazing, wonderful things without needing to change their bodies. And the last, this is me quoting. Angie, I love the way she writes this last one. This is a book that we read. We have at, at our independent school, we celebrate Grandparents Day, which is a neat opportunity to bring grandparents into the school and tell them what their what their grandkids are doing. And we read this picture book to our pre K kids, and then Angie mentioned it. And so here's what she says um, about the book that I'm about to mention. She writes, "The literal first <laughs> thing I said was quote There's no way this book was drawn by an American." End quote. <laughs> and i was right pause for laugh pause for laugh she writes and i was right of course because americans who make picture books super hate fat people (laughs) says angie she continues at the very least they desperately want to pretend we don't exist so they don't have to draw us the book is the truth about grandparents by alina ellis who was born and raised in the ukraine she currently lives in the uk so
0: i read this in the thread and i was like this is so true and then underneath in the thread and it'll be linked in the um on the webpage but there was like people had excerpted picture books that feature Fat adults, fat parents, and grandparents. Yes. Um, and one of the ones that came up was one we talked about a couple of episodes ago, Fry Bread. Yep. And I loved it because it's so true. They're, you know, the the parents are, even if their background characters in picture books are always willowy and like some, you know, <laughs> and it's true. They just, they're not a lot of adults that are featured as fat at all.
1: You're right. And all of these things, all, those of us that read to children, parents, community members. Grandparents, teachers, all of us we make choices when we put books in front of children. Just mm-hmm. like artists make choices when they draw characters. So being mindful of what we are putting in front of our children, who we are representing, what kind of world world we're painting for our children as we put these books in front of children is very, very important. And all of these books, everyone that we mentioned, everyone that Angie mentioned also, I'll make sure it's included in our show notes at bookriot.com slash listen.
0: Thanks for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast and always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help others find us. So you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at IttyBittyNG.
1: And you can find me, Matthew Winner, at at Winner. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag Days or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear from you. We love reading your feedback. We love seeing your reviews. We love it all. Uh, and
0: we'd love all your suggestions.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, may your coming days be storied and may those good stories keep on coming.